we can do the same work on a different level. We can stay on a conscious level because our unconscious is still reacting to that conscious work. We don't have to dig into the unconscious all the time because our unconscious knows what it's doing. So if we're aligning everything in our lives, our unconscious will start to align with that. Hey there, Kelly Howard here, and welcome to a special interview on your body-mind fit connection. This week, I'm chatting with Tara Wagner. She's a belief breakthrough coach. Tara has been applying her belief busting and changing techniques with her clients for over 10 years with some amazing results. Join me while we listen in and learn how to apply this in our lives. So I am here with Tara. We met a while back and I was perusing her website because it's this amazing website with a lot of information. Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to link to this in the notes. But she has something that she talks about with belief systems. So Tara, tell me about your, um, what you have to say about belief systems and limiting habits. I call belief systems BS for short. <laughs> because oftentimes that's what they are. <laughs> right, right. Explain that. Explain why that is just BS. It's not always BS. I, I mean, I do it kind of tongue in cheek, but ultimately anything that is limiting us, it's BS. We can choose beliefs. We can choose emotions just like we can choose our pants. All of these things are just programmed in there. They're just patterns that have been written and you know we outgrow them and they stop serving us and they become BS. They become something that we're continuing to believe even though it's this old, poorly fitting outfit that we've had in our closet for years that we can't get rid of because it still has the tags on it and you know the whole sunk cost bias. Right. We've got a little bit of emotional attachment to it. Exactly. Like it's a part of our identity now. And it's all BS because ultimately anything we want to believe, we can believe. Like everybody out there has a perspective shaped by their own experiences, shaped by their own values, shaped by their needs. It sometimes it serves them, sometimes it doesn't serve them. But if I want to believe that I'm a good person, and somebody else believes that I'm not a good person, they're both just beliefs. They're both just beliefs. So for us to say that this is true, this is not true, it's all BS. We can really choose the belief that serves us and the belief that serves others and the one that brings joy into our life and the lives of others. And anything that is limiting us, that is making us feel worthless, that is making us feel like crap, it's BS. It is just a thought. It is just a belief. It is just a pattern. And we choose the value that we put behind it. We choose the meaning that we put behind it. We choose which ones we want to feed or starve. We choose which ones we want to affirm or rewrite. And it's all a choice. If somebody out there can believe that by drinking the Kool-Aid, they're going to go to another planet, (laughs) then we can choose to believe that we're good people doing good work and that we're valuable and that what we have to say is of value. I mean, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Totally understand. It's all a thought. So how would you take someone from a thought that's not working for them, whatever that is? Let's, Let's just pick something. For me, right this minute, my thought that wasn't working for me before we started chatting was, I'm a little overwhelmed about work right now. A little too much happening. So how do you take me from 
that belief. Oh, oh, and there's more to it, right? There's there's a lot more to it. Because if you think about it- oh, Of course, there's always layers. Right? So the layer is, oh, I'm really busy right now. The next layer down for me is I need to go for a walk, but I don't have time because I got to get this done. And then the next layer down is, is if you don't get it done, then everything's going to fall apart. You know that one. So how do you, how do you work people out of those kind of uh, thoughts? I have a process that shows you how those thoughts get layered. So on the outside layer of those thoughts is, I call them behaviors, but our thoughts fall into the category of behaviors. It's something that we're doing, conscious thoughts. And the next thing that we need to understand, the first thing we have to practice is just learning how to detach from thought. Because a thought is just a thought. It's a thing firing off in our brain and we apply meaning and we we bring in emotion and we bring in all these things. But with practice through something like meditation, we can start to create space between our thoughts so that we start to recognize them as just thoughts and not like who we are or you know, the meaning of the world or all these big giant things that we put into thoughts. It's just a thought. Sometimes they're useful thoughts. Sometimes they're not useful thoughts. And I like to look at it like that. Is this helpful? Is this useful? Is this not helpful? Is this not useful? And if it's not, we create a little bit of space. But that takes practice. That's not something that you can generally do overnight. That's why people meditate because it teaches you how to create space between who you are and your thoughts. So that's kind of the first thing is just to learn how to do that over time, practice separating yourself from that thought. The next layer underneath thoughts and behaviors, which also includes things like our actions, what are we doing because of these thoughts? Beneath that is our emotions. Beneath our emotions are our needs. And beneath our needs are our core beliefs or what can be that BS. When you're having a thought like, I'm so overwhelmed, you know, I don't have enough time. Let's say I don't have enough time as the thought. The emotion is probably the overwhelm. And there's probably layers of emotions there because let's be real, like our emotions are never that simple. At least mine aren't. Right. (laughs) Usually what people do is they focus on that thought and that emotion and they try to solve the problem from there. And that doesn't work because that's not the problem. Those are the outcroppings of the problem. What is most helpful is looking beneath the emotion to the needs. So in that moment, what I would ask you is, how are you feeling? And what is that feeling telling you that you're really needing right now? For example, when I felt that way, sometimes I really just needed to rest. Like I was feeling all these emotions and my thoughts were going all over the place, but the underlying need that was trying to to be heard or be seen or get attention was, I need to slow down. I need to rest. I need order. I need support, right? We identify all these different needs. And nine times out of 10, when we tackle the need, the emotion and the behaviors start to resolve themselves. Sometimes we need to go into the beliefs that are influencing our ability to meet those needs. So if we have a need for support, but we cannot take action on that need, we struggle to ask for help, we think that you know that's going to mean something or say something or result in something, then we need to get into those deeper beliefs. But most of the time, even as a belief breakthrough coach, somebody who does this for a living, most of the time, people don't need to get into their beliefs. They need to focus on the strategies to meet their needs because as they meet their needs, 
and their emotions change and their behaviors change, all of those things also help to influence those underlying beliefs. Because our belief system, that BS system, will start to notice those things and say, oh, this is our new reality and slowly start to orient itself to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that you don't have to go down there and like dig around in the bottom of the cat box of life, right? Exactly. You're you're dealing with the things that some people might say are more superficial, but it's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, a lot of people will say that they're superficial, but when you really start doing this work, it's deep work. It's vulnerable work to really talk about your real emotions and your real needs and to make clear requests and say, this is what I'm needing and to go out and do the things that are going to meet your needs. Oh, it's deep, deep work. Oh, it's hard work. It's very hard work. And it's not something that most people are aware of. A lot of people miss out on the needs and they jump right from emotion to beliefs. And then a lot of people avoid the whole thing because they think they have to get into beliefs. And sometimes we do. I'm not saying that's not necessary sometimes, but many times I'm finding that it's not as necessary as even I once thought. I My personality is like, I like going deep. I love those deep, juicy conversations. I love to talk about past history and how it shaped us and Like people say that one of my gifts is like making people cry, not in a bad way, but like (laughs) just, you know, bringing stuff up to the surface, that kind of stuff kind of turns me on. Like I get excited about it. And for most of my, my career as a belief breakthrough coach, I've been doing this almost 10 years. Most of my career was spent deep in the weeds with people. And I would have to remind people there's a difference between digging deep and digging yourself a grave. And it's how long you stay down there because so many people dig into it and then they wallow in it because it's painful stuff. A lot of times it's, it's deep, it's dark. It's not always happy. It's not always comfortable. And it kind of has this magnetism to it. Like our brains are sort of naturally oriented to like worry and fear. And so when we start playing in it, what I was finding with a lot of my clients was play in it too long. And as I went through my own process and I'm learning more about meditation and I am kind of developing my own skills, I start to notice that about myself as well, that I'm staying too long in this stuff. This stuff isn't serving me when I stay this long in it. And as I started to focus more on the emotions and the needs, I started to notice that the beliefs were still changing, sometimes just as fast but it wasn't as messy. It wasn't as hard. It wasn't as dark. It wasn't as painful as it could sometimes be. And then just, you know, as I'm coaching and I'm teaching that to other people, I'm seeing the same thing. Like most of the time, we don't need to spend as much time down there as we think we do. We can do the same work on a different level. We can stay on a conscious level because our unconscious is still reacting to that conscious work. We don't have to dig into the unconscious all the time because our unconscious knows what it's doing. So if we're aligning everything in our lives, our unconscious will start to align with that. So let me make sure I understand because I, I think I do, but, but I know that you're helping people move out of belief systems that haven't worked for them into beliefs and then the, what follows that are emotions that work for them better so that they can 
do whatever it is they want to do in their lives. If you're going to do that, and I, and I realize that, I mean, I'm basically asking you to do all your really deep, hard work in about a 30 second conversation. Give me a, like a, a one, two, three, or I think you actually use a one, two, three, four, five on how I move from a belief that doesn't serve me into an emotion that does. Like we were saying before, you start off by identifying the external, like what am I thinking? What am I doing? Then you go into how am I feeling? What need is asking for my attention right now? Or what need am I trying to meet through this behavior, through these emotions? From there, you have a choice. Either go back into behaviors, determine what behaviors are going to better meet your needs. So you're going back into behaviors or you're going into that deeper level of beliefs. And that is something that's a little bit harder to describe in 30 seconds. But basically, in a nutshell, what you're doing is you're there's a process that I developed that helps you to identify first what that belief is. And it's essentially a questioning process. If you ask your mind the right questions, the right answers start to surface. So we go through a process to understand what that belief actually is because it can surprise us sometimes. And then we go through a process of changing that belief. And essentially changing a belief is just repetition. Our beliefs, our emotions, our habits, the way that I like to describe them is like wagon ruts. So I used to travel and one of the places that we traveled to was the Oregon Trail. We actually saw where these wagons had traveled. Now, I have no idea. I should probably Google this because I use this analogy all the time. The, the Oregon Trail was a while ago, right? But you can still see these 12-inch ruts in the ground from where these wagons had traveled over and over and over and over again. That left such an impression on me because I realized that's exactly what's happening with our thoughts and our emotions. We have an early childhood experience when our brains are very pliable that creates a little bit of a groove in our thoughts. And then because our brains are designed to look for proof of what it already believes, right? All of that bias comes in. We start traveling that groove over and over and over again. We start to have the same thoughts. We start to reaffirm all of the things that we are feeling and thinking and doing. And we start to just dig ourselves into a rut. Now, here's the difference. And you had said something earlier about um, these beliefs not serving us or never having served us or something like that. I actually encourage people to consider the fact that at one point, that belief did serve you. It probably served you very well. That's why it got created. Maybe it wasn't the best. Maybe it um, was only the best you could do in that situation, but it did serve a purpose. That's why we create these beliefs and these thought patterns. They're very um, self-protective. That's oftentimes what they were doing to serve us. Or, you know, they worked. At some point, they may have just worked. It's just that as you get to a certain stage in your life, when you're trying to reach a new goal, when you're trying to, you know, change a relationship, when you're trying to be a better person, when you're trying to be healthier, when you're trying to be happier, those old things that used to serve us are just no longer serving us. They're just no longer helpful. I like to tell people to think about it that way because it kind of takes a sting out of it. Instead of like judging our thoughts, it becomes a little less personalized. Like, oh, this thought is just no longer serving me. It was fine before, but as I'm ready to change, these thoughts get to change with me. 
Yeah, that's a really good point because, of course, they were there for a reason, whatever that reason was. That makes total sense. Thank you. The the reason that I like to point that out, and I, I kind of said this, but I just think that so many times we add insult to injury by layering on subtle in the back of our mind, thoughts, emotions, judgments, perceptions, you know, ideas of what should be on top of what already is. So we think a certain way and then subtly in the back of our mind, we start to say, I shouldn't be thinking that way. Beating yourself up and... Right. It creates this little like vicious pattern and you're reaffirming oftentimes some belief that I'm not good enough or I'm I'm not capable enough or something like that. So it's sort of like I said with meditation, if we can take some space between who we are and what we're experiencing, we start to actually become more empowered. We have more ability to change those things because we realize that those things are not us. They're just the experiences that we've had. Good point. So let's shift gears for just a second. You talk about self-care and self-care. Actually, you have a, you have a very cool handout called self-care in seconds. So what are a few ways? I mean, it doesn't like when a lot of times when people hear self-care, what they hear is they go, oh, well, you're supposed to go take a bath. You're supposed to, I don't know. I, I don't know what self-care, you know, there's just like all these ideas that people have in their heads. It's time consuming. <laughs> right. It's time consuming. It's time consuming or it's expensive. And, you know, there's more important things to do. I'll get to that on Sunday, self-care Sundays, right? Give us, you know, three or four things that people can do that are easy, simple, and, you know, they make a difference. So this is where I bring it back to needs. When we change our perspective of what self-care is from being a bunch of tasks or a certain way we think it should look, which is the behavior, right? The thing we think we should be doing to what is our need right now? Like, what are we actually needing? Not what do we want to do to meet our needs? What are we actually needing And then what are some simple ways in this moment that I can meet that need? When we can do that, anything can become self-care. Let me give you an example. I use this example a lot. I've used it for years. Back in the day when I was doing belief breakthrough work, I actually started off with parents, just helping parents in their parenting and using the same process. And one of the examples that we would use is, you know, parents will often say, my house is a mess. I need a clean house. Well, cleaning a house is not a need. Cleaning a house is a strategy to meet a need. But the underlying need there might be beauty. It might be order. It might be control. It might be any number of things. If you're feeling out of control, if you're feeling disordered, if things are just not feeling beautiful to you, those needs are going to come up. And in our mind, we say, I need a clean house. And we get stuck on that. But anybody who has any children under the age of five knows that that's a really (laughs) not helpful need to have. So if we can shift it and remember that I don't need a clean house, I want to clean my house as one way to meet my need for X, Y, or Z, what are some other ways that I can meet that need? If my need is for beauty and order, maybe I just go outside for 30 seconds and breathe and remind myself that there's beauty and order all around me, even if my home's a little crazy right now. That in itself can be self-care because all self-care is, 
is prioritizing your need, saying my need is important. Not that it's more important than anyone else's, but that it is no less important. It is just as important. And if I'm feeling like crap and everything around me is chaotic and I'm not able to do what I want to do or be who I want to be, it's because my need is not being met. So let me just identify that need and identify a way to meet that need. If I have a need for rest, I can take 30 seconds and breathe and meditate at my desk before I get on a call. If I have a need for love and connection, maybe I'm calling everybody I know and nobody's available to answer the phone. And I'm thinking self-care has to look like a phone call with a friend, but my dog is there and I can just pet my dog and look into their eyes and meet that need for love and connection in just a few seconds. It's really about changing our perspective again, back to what am I needing in this moment? It's not a clean house. I want a clean house. I want a clean house so bad. (laughs) But if I cannot clean my house, if the reality of what is will not allow me to clean this house, what else can I do to meet this need? Maybe I can clean one corner of this house and just sit in that corner (laughs) the rest of the day. Really, like when I talk about self-care and in the self-care in seconds, there's a training video and then a little handout that goes with it. That's really what I'm trying to impart to people. Self-care is not about what we do. It's about how we do it. It's about why we do it. And it's about identifying and meeting those needs moment by moment. It does not take long to meet a need. It just takes a little bit of creativity. Well, that is wonderful. Like It is such an amazing way to wrap this up because you're right. And I would like to encourage everyone, and I'll make sure that we link it to the show notes also, but I want to encourage everyone to go to Tara's site and do get the self-care in seconds handout because it's going to make a difference. I mean, I know that I use some of the steps that she's outlined and I love what she does because it really does. It can shift everything in literally a second. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I just, I love this. I love what you're doing and I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you again so much to Tara for joining us today. You can find out more about her program at tarax.us. And of course, I'll link to everything in the show notes at angeltigerfit.com. You can also get a copy of her self-care in seconds download. A big shout out to podigy.co, Riley, and all the guys. Without them, this podcast would not exist. If you're thinking about a podcast or don't have a team like podigy.co, you might be missing out. Have a wonderful week and I will see you again next episode. Bye-bye.